Black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. Welcome to Two Black Girls, One Rose. We're two black girls invading the messiest reality dating shows on earth. I'm Natasha. And I'm Justine. And this season, we're recapping Lifetime TV's hit show, Married at First Sight in Nashville. Married at First Sight (laughs) is a full-on hot mess of a social experiment. Each week on our podcast, we recap the latest episode and dissect the trials and tribulations these five newly married couples are going through, while also dissecting relevant dating, marriage, and relationship topics. And after five years deep in Bachelor Nation, we're now diving into the Married at First Sight universe. So come join us. Listen to us on all podcast platforms every Thursday and join our amazing community on Patreon at patreon.com slash twoblackgirlsfunnels. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Can I do the intro? Are you going to do it properly? Of course, I always do it properly. Mm, okay, after you. <laughs> Welcome to the Quick Stop F1 podcast. My name is Tandy, and you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. Joining me <laughs> as ever is my co-host, restaurant extraordinaire, oh, Mr. Wow. Barbecue Man, Mr. Bry of the de- Century. <laughs> wow. Mr. I have a football top on in the scorching heat. I'm boiling. It's Nyasha. It's so nice. Is that how everyone else feels? Oh my God. That's so lovely. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I feel so blessed. Thank you so much. You, I'm going to give you a 9.5 out yeah. of 10. You missed yeah. out. We appreciate that. And you have to let them know that we appreciate that. They could have been anywhere in the world. We appreciate that. But you didn't. Knows I'm giving. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look, uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. How are you doing? You all right? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I want to show them my ECG so bad. Tandy, tell them the story you just told us before we get into our great guest. Like, uh... Right, guys. If anybody's in the UK at the moment, you know it's scorching hot. It is boiling. It's getting hot in here. So take up all your clothes. So, um... I'm not going to do it. Um, and... I I had decided, am I going to try getting to wireless or am I going to have a chill Sunday? Um, I decided I wasn't going to try getting to wireless and do the mature thing. So I went up to Primrose Hill with my housemate Mo. Um, we got some food in um, Camden. It was good food. I got some shawarma. Uh, we sat down on the grass, cool, chill. And then on the way back, you guys, I fainted, which is crazy because I've never fainted in my life. Not. Wow. Not non-dramatically anyway. <laughs> I fainted. I woke up. This bus driver was just shouting at me, mate. Like, and the first thing I said was, where's my phone? And then I started shouting at him and I was like, you're being rude. I've just woke up. What the fuck is going on? Anyway. Uh, yeah. And I had an ECG. Um, this is this is my ECG. I've been showing everyone. I'm going to frame it. You can see them bums. That's yeah. the dog in me. That's the dog in you. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, I'm so excited. The, 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 why, are you, why are you so excited about this ECG? Like, what's... Because I've never seen my heartbeat in real time. Oh, it's nice yeah. to know that I actually have a heart. Do you know what I mean? You should get it as like a tattoo or something. That is cringy. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> welcome in our next guest. <laughs> 
our lovely guest, a returning guest, one of my favourites of all time. We have Bradley. Hi, Brad. Brad, 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 Brad. Brad, do you call yourself Bradley? I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's Brad is fine. I, I honestly, yeah. it's normally Phil. People just call me Phil because of my surname. So I'm happy with okay. Brad or Bradley. But yeah, great to be cool. back on. Very, very excited. Yay. Oh, is that the length of your hosting now? You're <laughs> <laughs> you, you passing it back now. Um, thank you. Back. Okay, cool. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, look, that was awesome. Well done, Taddy. We should do that more often. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Brad. How's it going? Last time we saw you, we were, ironically, <laughs> we were talking to you after your battle with uh, the Orange Army online after you had, um, no, was that the last time? I feel like it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Time, yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it was. It was after apparently I invited Max Verstappen to join my non-existent sim, sim team. Yeah. Um, so that was this year then, wasn't it? That Was that like over the winter time? It was over winter, yeah. yeah. It was in the off-season. It was in the off-season. So. Back when we were we were optimistic, Mercedes were going to dominate <laughs> and Hamilton we was going to get his revenge and uh, we were all we were looking forward to a great season. It was like you guys had like, we had beards on us. We were like, all right, it's been a long winter. You guys, we've got to get it. It was very, you know, we were in, we felt like we were in caves. We were trying to make fire. Um <laughs> Yeah, we did not make fire. The fire, we did not make fire. The fire is not materialized. Uh, but no, it's it's crazy how I mean. Oh God, like it must have been yeah, about seven months ago, six seven months ago. Um, and I guess how how have you found the season so far? I guess before we get into the specifics of this of this week, how have you found this season? I guess compared to let's say last season, or I guess. In general, as the season 2022 with the new regs and, uh, and you know, I guess new technical directives, new racing rules, um, how are you finding this season? Yeah, so if I was a neutral, um, then this would have been a really, really good season, really interesting, loads of, loads of new stuff. So obviously those elements are still there. I'm still interested in, in the storyline, regardless of whether the people I support are part of that story at the front. But after the season we had last year, I was really hoping for like for some joy this year and and some kind of karma. And we were denied that. We've really been denied that all the way up till now. So it was a little bit hard to stomach the start of this season, e even as I've never really supported one team or driver massively. But after I was so polarized by last season, by the behavior of one driver and team, and then by their fans over the winter, I really, really wanted a particular team and driver to do well this year. So I, I kind of had to stomach it. And, and I felt a bit, a bit sad about this season, right up until Silverstone, where I got to have like this, this kind of spiritual healing session among yeah. 400,000 like-minded people where I suddenly felt like I wasn't crazy and that, oh, it's not just me who's yeah. like a Mercedes fan this year. Everyone here is, and we can all celebrate the the bad things happening to Red Bull and the good things happening to Mercedes all collectively. And I kind of feel a bit more zen and chilled about it now. Okay. I, I think that's a really good um, place to pick up because we, we actually haven't spoken to too many people about a specific Grand Prix that they've gone to, I guess, within the season. Obviously, normally people come on the show they've watched it at home the same way we have. So um, 
record crowd at Silverstone. I know it was a couple of weeks ago now, but record crowd at Silverstone and um, and there was a lot of chat off off uh, offline online sorry outside of the of the of the of the ground about the fan culture there right and you know the fact that there was booing and i think last week on the pod we might have downplayed i guess how much booing there was but um (laughs) brad how much booing was there and i guess why is in my mind i feel like the booing that we experienced at silverstone is different to the booing that happens elsewhere around the world and i think there's specific reasons for that i guess did you feel like it was like that or was it just this kind of i don't know was everyone just being barbaric hooligans at silverstone and uh, they should know better and not do that so uh, this is going to sound really biased because it's at silverstone and, and i'm part of the british crowd supporting a british driver but british bias but i do think it is different there is no real malice in the booze that i experienced at silverstone it's easy to say that because it wasn't my driver being booed but if you looked around and you saw people booing, they're doing it with a grin and you have Red Bull fans all that. No one's feeling threatened. It's not like you're aggressively booing. And in fact, it's much more a case of, you know, because we're a positive crowd, it was much more cheering when the bad things happened to Red Bull. So, yeah. for example, when it became clear that Verstappen had a problem in the race, the cheer <laughs> from the, the ripple of cheers that spread around Silverstone was something joyous you know it wasn't a negative thing it wasn't like boo max verstappen and red bull it was like yay bad things are happening to them and it was like this kind of collective roar of of positivity so you know the booze i don't think it is the same at some tracks i think certain drivers if they're booed you'd almost have the feeling that you know cans of drink are going to get thrown at them and, and it's that kind of thing absolutely not like that at silverstone it is pure pantomime and I know pantomime isn't necessarily an international thing. Pantomime yeah. is quite a British yeah. thing. And we love to have a, a hero and, and a villain. Yeah. And I've experienced that from lots of drivers. I've heard from, from older friends who, who were watching races at Silverstone back when Senna was racing. Everyone loves Senna. Now I've heard that Senna was yeah. the big villain and people were booing that. Senna. I remember watching when Michael Schumacher crashed in, what would it have been? Is it 1999? And Schumacher yeah. was the villain back then. And the crowd, he'd broken his legs, but the crowd cheered. No one knew he'd broken his legs, yeah. but everyone around cheered. This isn't a new phenomenon. It's just you want the person that you're supporting to do well. And if that means the other person doing badly, then you're happy when something bad happens to them. So it's kind of just that. And there's no real, there's no real animosity. There's nothing, there was nothing nasty that I felt. Maybe it's easy for me to say that. To be fair, there are only a number of British things that I've, subscribe to one being baked beans <laughs> i think they're fucking awesome yeah. i think they're freaking fantastic put them on a jacket potato do you know what i mean put them on toast and the second thing is just british culture when it comes to sport yes and and and, and almost in time for that this is the second outfit change in a week that we've had <laughs> uh and brad thank you so much for doing that because I just mm-hmm. remembered, I haven't said, if you're watching this, make sure you give us a like, make sure you give us a, a subscribe. Shout out to our sponsors, Fanatics, where you can get that very hat uh, on their website uh, using our link below. If you use that link, then you help us out. So all of that, all of that, all of that. Brad and Tandy. I'll go, yes. I'll go to Tandy first. Brad, that hat okay. looks fucking incredible, but I need to cop that hat. Um, 
and use a fanatics link. Yes. I've got to tell you about this hat, right? So there's a story. Yeah. This, right. I, actually, right. <laughs> I, I actually ended up buying three of these over the weekend because wow. I kept going in and people kept telling me, oh, get me one of those hats. So I kept having to like, I actually went home, gave my friend the hat I had so we could watch the race with it. I went and bought another one. And that happened again. Um, but the best thing about this hat is, I went in through the gates and didn't have it on in the morning because I'd given it to my friend. I knew I had to go buy a new one. And I felt naked because everyone in there is wearing a Mercedes hat. I've never experienced so much home support for the Brackley team. And I've been, you know, I've been to the Grand Prix lots of times. And and I until I had the hat on, I felt a little bit out of place. The moment I had my bright yellow hat on, I was like, ah, everyone knows I'm on their team. We're all friends again. It's all fine. And also the other good thing is, it attracts bees. So, you know, everyone else gets to enjoy their nice hot summer day and you just have to put up with some bees. So there we well, go. Well, look, Seb Vettel should get one of those because he loves bees. He's got, he's he got loves own, the bees. He loves bees. He's got his own bee farm in Austria, which apparently is banging. So that's good. Um, so speaking of Austria and the Orange Army and booing, um, things took a bit of an ugly turn this weekend. And... You know, look, uh, we all love to come in here and make jokes, and we've made jokes about a lot of stuff on here and whatever, right? But it just feels like we're on a a bit of a rolling kind of... F1 can't seem to catch a break at the moment from deplorable, horrible stuff. And this weekend was no different. Um, there were reports and several accounts of racist homophobic and misogynistic abuse, um, physical, verbal, from essentially sections of the Orange Army towards other people who are attending the race in Austria uh, this weekend, uh, to the point where, you know, it was getting called called out on Sky Sports, F1, you know, everyone made statements and, and so forth. Um, Tandy, I'll ask you, and then I'll go to you, Brad. Tandy, mm. um... Do you, you have an opinion on what I say? Do you, I guess you have an opinion on like the events of like the weekend and um, I guess what this means for people who go to F1 knowing that I, that there's races where if there's going to be a large contingent of a certain fan base that there is a chance seemingly higher than normal that they will experience abuse and it especially seems to be happening to people of marginalized communities um. yeah so as a woman black woman from a marginalized community i tick both boxes yeah and i just honestly echoing what um mo said from pistol Pit Stop. mad <laughs> yeah yeah um he said <laughs> um formula one continues to be um, an echo chamber of society today. If you didn't know people are racist, Formula One's going to tell you about it. If you didn't know people are sexist, Formula One's going to tell you about it. And with all sports, we have seen different forms of racism and different forms of misogynoir and different forms of everything in between. For example, Casta Semenya. Um, yeah. in running we've seen yeah. it in in football stop yeah. racism campaign however with formula one it just digs so much deeper because with all those sports i mentioned there is a real sense of diversity there was always a sense of diversity whereas with formula one it only started to reach diversity 
in the 2000s. Yeah, or maybe, maybe, maybe later, maybe really. Even, yeah, maybe even earlier, to, I mean, later, to be honest. Yeah. And so Formula One might have all this big tech. We might have all these really expensive cars. But honestly and truly, with Formula One, you are looking at Formula One in its 1950s era. There are still those people who are like, what? A woman at sport? A pundit? A woman? A black woman? There are still those people who are like, What? There's a black person who's winning races. What? Yuki Tsunoda? Yeah. How do I pronounce that? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there is still that sense of, and that's no excuse. There's no excuse at all. Formula One next year really needs to put a lot of funding, all this money into these expensive ass caps, all this money into these expensive ass races, all these expensive ass stewards, Monaco, all that money, it needs to go to some sort of campaign, PR, that really says we aren't those racists because if anything the first thing people think about when they think of formula one is they think of the scandal that happened in december and they think of the racism that's been going on throughout this year that is what this entire season has been rigged in unfortunately outside of the race that is what it's been rigged in there's nothing else normally sometimes it might be a little it might be a little cheating going on but <laughs> it has just been rigged <laughs> in mean stuff so yeah so there you go that's my opinion Wow. Wow, look, no, you're you're right. And Mm -hmm. it was really perfectly put. And I think, Brad, something Tandy um, impressed was about, I guess, people feeling emboldened um, by, I guess, a lack of real direction with Formula One, you know, the, the, the diversity campaign is wrapped up in the, uh, you know, save the world campaign. And, you know, it's, there's no real clear message on racism other than it seems quite reactive, you know, if something bad happens, we condemn it, there's a statement, but, you know, there doesn't really seem to be a lot. And obviously on the day, there seemed to be not a lot done physically other than beef up security a bit and whatever maybe there wasn't much they could do but i guess uh, what's your thoughts on is this kind of where formula one's going with the tribalism with the with the you know the influx of new fans you know even the twitter is starting to turn into uh, football twitter a little bit like everything seems to be going in a certain direction is this kind of symbolic of that or is this i guess do we put this down as an isolated incident it's definitely not isolated incident. Um, it, it's something I'm not brilliantly placed to comment on because I'm I'm super privileged to to not ever get this kind of abuse. I'm you know I'm the exact demographic that Formula One has always been made for. You know I've always felt it's for me. I'm welcomed in motorsport in general, and and I'm really glad that that isn't or hopefully isn't the case going forward. And it's horrible that we've still got this hangover of of nefarious people and maybe some new not uh, not very nice people saying not very nice things what's really disappointing for me is formula one and and teams and drivers just doing this thing where they kind of do a copy and paste statement of condemning and not really saying much really the only person i saw this weekend and i might have missed quite a few so i don't want to i don't want to paint everyone with this brush but i think toto wolf said uh, in a statement, we don't. We, people like you who are doing these things, who who are abusing people, we don't want your kind here. We we want this isn't for you. It, he said something explicit. It wasn't just a tweet with "I condemn all forms of abuse" or you know whatever kind of generic thing we see from most people. 
and Formula One themselves. It, you know, their their tweet that they put out um, over the weekend, it could have been a copy paste from any any of the scandals, any of the horrible things that have happened in recent months. It's that's how kind of weak their response seems to be. So I'd I'd prefer it if you had drivers talking to, directly to the camera and. Hopefully, and I don't, I don't expect this at all, but ideally the driver who is probably the head of the particular fan base this weekend, um, who it seems most of this abuse was coming from, explicitly saying to their fans, you know, don't, don't do this. This isn't what I want. In the same way that Hamilton kind of told his fans, oh, don't, don't boo, you're better than this, even though we ignored him because, you know, you do the driving, we'll do the hating. But in a, <laughs> but I mean, in, in much more of like a serious way, you know, it's, it's this is something that could be stopped if the culture of the driver someone is supporting was was also inclined to to be a little bit more wholesome. And mm-hmm. and I, I get the feeling that the majority of the Orange Army probably aren't in that that mindset. They're probably not. Um, they're not that progressive. They're not that inclusive. Uh, that that's the impression I get. So I don't know what, it, what you think. It about looks that. like it stinks in I there. Wish. Let's just fucking say it. Um, no, no, we're being so polite on these man. These lot look horrible. I know it smells crazy in there. Smells crazy. No, <laughs> these lot are like you. You see them even when they were like they showed that little video of them paddling around in the paddling pool. I was like, I know that water turned green afterwards. Like these lot are not nice people and it is symbolic of the absolute ah oh, the word has just escaped me oh like the same way that in some ways max has been enabled especially in like the last year and a half to be the person he was and especially last year when everything was polarized and they fed it they fed it and they fed it and they fed it and they fed it because they knew this is this is box office they could not get enough of feeding polarizing stuff. No one, by the way, spoke about the crash at Silverstone. Well, obviously, Max Verstappen fans did, because they always do. But no one spoke about it more than them than Sky Sports in the run up to Silverstone. They were replaying that crash over and over again. They were showing what is it, and they just they are absolutely fine stoking animosity. And then that transfers into the fans and the fans online, there's animosity online still from last season. It's clearly still there. And that has gone into the stands, but it, that is not an excuse, but that is when you, when you play with fire, you're going to get burned, live by the sword, die by the sword, all of these things. They've just enabled this fan base to be this bullying, horrible fan base i'm not saying all of them by the way we're not saying all the stappen fans are like that but specifically the amount of accounts of abuse and ins- i've never seen anything like that threat of people this- people of the people just coming out and saying they were abused it was it was horrible so tender this is what i was actually saying uh last week about that tension that you have when you see certain formula one tops and merch like it's almost cultish it is cultish if i even if if i'm being honest it's a cult sport it comes from like you know when you're a sports fan it comes down from like charismatic leaders and how cults are are driven by charismatic leaders it's 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 been written since the ages of time christianity etc and for 
not to bring it into religion, but for anything to kind of work and for anything to sway, it takes that one charismatic leader to say, do you know what, today I'm going to eat vegan or do you know what, I'm taking fish out of my diet. And for some Formula One teams, it's just, you know what, I'm taking racism out of my diet or do you know what, I am not going to use a proxy note statement to condone racism. I'm actually gonna give my opinion because my teammate is black, my workers or people who I work with are probably black or you know, someone who I know is black and I don't like the fact that they're doing this. My mum's a woman. I have a girlfriend. Do you know what I mean? Daughters. It takes daughters. Daughters, do you know how many? I follow all the Formula One wives, by the way. I know for free, you just have daughters. So there's no way. I just, my mom always used to say, you know what, Tandeka, charity begins at home. You see me? You see where I'm going with this? I, I charity do. begins I at do. home. I do. Begins at home. And yes, you can, as I said before, you know, we can pile on a bunch of money on diversity, but it actually just begins with a driver just coming out and not using some proxy statement from a, from a creative agency saying, do you know what, I'm sorry that's happening to you. It just takes someone to just, say that was shit why are you just doing that stop doing that yeah for sure yeah and and it would be cool mm. the thing is they do get asked i really hate friday interviews because yeah. every driver gets asked the same question especially when they're just in the pen and it's the same people just asking the same questions oh and they'll just ask them something like, oh, you know, there's been reports of abuse. What do you think of it? Well, yeah, obviously, yeah, I think that's really bad. All right, cool. Oh, uh, yeah, that's and then, and then, And then that gets clipped <laughs> and uh, well, we see that. Okay, yeah, okay. well, that was uh, Charles Leclerc. Okay, well, now we've got Johnny in an ice cream van with George Russell. And it's just like, <laughs> like, there's no, like, it's not really given, like, the strength that it deserves. And it's it very much is an afterthought. It just feels really, I mean, look, we've got, Hungary, Spa, Netherlands coming up now, where big orange army races, and I think larger than Austria potentially. So, um, although Spa is very spread out, so maybe it might not be as concentrated, but I mean, yeah, obviously, Netherlands and obviously Hungary as well. So, yeah, it's just, um, it's scary. We've got three races in like the next five or six, which uh, some people are going to be looking at that, looking at their tickets and thinking, God, do I even really want to go to this now? And all the work F1 has done to get new fans into the sport and, and to make it, I guess, accessible in a way to, to younger fans, to women, to LGBTQ plus people that is that's been eroded and it's it's ruined it and it's hilarious that you know not hilarious but it's mad that in the last two or three weeks we've had three four five incidents of just this sport being in the mud and it's it's not a good look it's not it's not a good look for, I for just, oh, after I just, you i just can't get over the concept that in 2022 we are still so concerned about what people are doing with their genitals and what they're doing with their skin obviously this is not a condolence to blackface but it's a weird concept that anybody's asked about what anyone's doing with their genitals it's mad it's weird it's giving jobless <laughs> just my opinion i kind of feel but- i feel like the sport also has 
it hasn't adapted to the fact that it does have a slightly different mix of people mm. watching it now. So at Silverstone, this is just a silly, this would seem like a small thing, but I only, only noticed it when someone pointed it out to me, but there weren't enough women's toilet. There weren't enough ladies loose, basically. You know, there were massive queues because it's almost like they just didn't expect there to be many females at the race because they're not used to that. <laughs> so there's just like a massive skew in, in how many gents there are to, to the ladies lose. So poor, poor women there couldn't get to the loo in between sessions. The, the queue was too long. So that kind of thing, like that should just be a no brainer. We should be prepared that it's like the sport is so set in its ways of, of having the same kind of people always there. I'm sh- and I'm sure in Grand Prix past, I've been there and there've barely been any, any female viewers in the section I've been in because it's just so blokey. It, it's just not the same now. So it needs to it needs to catch up. You lot wonder why I don't tweet enough stuff about Formula One because you don't facilitate me very well. <laughs> no, you're fired today, right? Did you have a little reset when you painted? I feel like I drank. I drank water. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Look, see, guys, get your two liters in. Um, no, and I, last thing on this, I'll say, there's been um, just onto that point, Brad. There's been accounts of poor race organization at pretty much every race we've been to this season um you know they've got these record numbers record profits i get what i would i would i guess record revenue who knows what they're paying for all of these things but record revenue you know i I know the merch stores are going crazy i know the food stores are going crazy like everything is going crazy but fans are still they're getting stuck in even more traffic they can't go to the toilet you know the the, just general crowding in areas and all of these things you can't they've got to reinvest money back into the back into the fan experience because if fans go and they pay oh people are paying hundreds of pounds every week no every week sorry but at each race people are paying hundreds of pounds at least for the experience of that weekend and for them to not be able to to have a, a, a solid weekend it's just yeah. it's just ridiculous and the sport needs to do more but what they have given us are some new regulations which have allowed ferrari to get back into contention and charles leclerc finally has a win first one since australia uh, after a run of five races where he probably could have won, but didn't due to either strategy calls or um, some kind of mechanical failure. Um, Brad, a Ferrari back, is Charles back? It felt like a statement win. So I was actually surprised they didn't screw up the strategy. So I was watching this um, with my fiance and when Charles got to the front, you know, when he passed Verstappen, it was clear that they had the upper hand. It, it looked like there was no way they could throw this away, really. We still had the conversation of, so how are they going to screw this up? You know, it's that, it's that um, kind of repetitive cycle of having a fast car, getting to the front, and then almost being like, oh, crap, what do we do now? It's like they just don't, they're not expecting to be there. And uh, reliability aside, the strategy has been a little bit, bad but it's been bad for quite a long time in the same way that mercedes pit stops just seem to always be bad ferrari strategy just tends to always be something a bit bad but this time they nailed it they actually they did exactly the right thing and i was genuinely surprised 
Um, so the car was quick and they they strategized exactly right. They covered off Red Bull in the right way. They didn't react to Verstappen stopping early. They, you know, they stuck with their plan. And normally it's gone to like plan D and E, but they, they looked like they stuck with plan A. And maybe it went to plan B because I think they were probably expecting to one stop. And then when it became clear that two stop was going to be quicker, they did it. And they did it in a more spread out way than Verstappen was able to with Red Bull. And it worked out perfectly. And aside from Sainz's engine failure, it was looking like an easy one, two for Ferrari. So in terms of performance, and if they can repeat that kind of strategy call and be sensible and considered and stick with the program, then they are back. But I have zero confidence in the engines not just blowing up every two or three races. So, or, or, you know, little things like the throttle pedal getting stuck or, you know, things like that. You can just feel they're probably going to go wrong. Uh, yeah, they really, they are so unpredictable. Tandy. Ferrari. Okay, go on. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Go on. You are already taking a trip on the George Russell train. You're on there. Yeah. Right? You've, yeah. you've got your ticket. He was a menace this week, weren't he? He was. was. We'll, get, we'll get to George. We'll, we'll get to George. Um, but I have got some tickets for you for the Charles Leclerc yacht cruise taking Ooh. taking taking off from monaco port yeah, yeah we'll be doing yeah, yeah. we'll be doing a trip around the world we've got another oh oh let's say another how many races left we've got another 15 14 races left i think um are you getting on board or are you are you do you not believe that this this yacht is going to reach its destination thing is right so me and Charles it's like so it's like when you enter a new relationship okay so me and Charles were cool are you, how, congratulations again <laughs> <laughs> had to mention it Carry on. I didn't even mention it you mentioned it you mentioned my new relationship <laughs> Carry on. It's like a new relationship. You mentioned into my relationship, okay? I'm happy for you. Right, I'm sorry. It's okay. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So we'll edit it, don't worry. Um New Relationship. Yeah, so, new relationship. You don't have to edit that out. Sorry, <laughs> I, I had to think. Um so yeah, me and Charles, it's like when you enter a new relationship, I have all the hopes that this man is the one. He's going to treat me right. It's going to be a good journey. However, mm. have you ever dated someone and their ex is just lurking there? Just there, that lingering. Is lingering. That yeah. is how I feel about Ferrari and their fucking engine. <laughs> that engine, right? Yeah. That engine sits like... I don't know if you've ever been on a plane and you've had a baby crying next to you. That mm. is how I feel about that engine. Mm. Have you ever sat next to someone who's eating cheese and onion crisps on a plane? That is how I feel about that engine. This is a horrible plane journey. Have you ever <laughs> sat next to someone who's using vegan deodorant on a plane? That is how I feel Man. about that engine. That what airline engine, is this? She's an she's a attention secret. By the way, that airline is Sprint Airline. Oh no, she's Just American. Be clear. So, so American. Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, 
Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's how I feel about that engine. What an attention seeker, please. She's yeah. here. She's there. She's texting you at 3 a.m. Yeah. Do, f- do you know what I mean? You can hear it oh. under the pillow. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's no one. It's, uh, no one it's, it's just T-Mobile. <laughs> Wrong number. Don't worry. Let me just take this one. Wrong number. Let me mm. just... <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. So I could buy the tickets to the yacht. It could be all inclusive. I could get the body massage, mm. but his ex is always lingering there. And tickets. so, you know. These metaphors are why I listen to this <laughs> podcast. Because anyone joining, like at, at any point during that, will have had. I mean, I, I barely know what you're talking about, but, but I do. Like, and you're painting you a beautiful picture. Yeah, I do. I do get it. But it's just, you, it's just so long. It's amazing. <laughs> the depth of it is brilliant. So, to conclude, <laughs> I'm on this journey. I'm on a yacht. I'm on a plane. Someone's I'm going to massage. Someone's got cheese on your crisps. <laughs> <laughs> to conclude this like you can drop the picture of charles in the group chat but the bottom line is your friends are gonna say mm. but his ex was talking about him in the hairdressers yeah do you know what I mean yeah it's no just, i hear it it's just you know the security of it all it's beautiful it could be beautiful but it's not that engine is just lurking like a bad stench it's uh worrying the way that yeah. car blew up on Carlos, it looked like something out of Fast and Furious, Honestly, bro. Like, like, it's it's not even given that. Do you know, like cartoons? I've been watching a lot of cartoons. You know, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, like explosion? You're thinking, what? How have you set on fire? Where did like? Okay, yeah. we failed, but that's Looney Tunes <laughs> it's, it's it's a bad science experiment, isn't it? Yeah. The thing with that Ferrari engine yeah. failure was we've all seen engine failures over the years where there's a load of smoke and maybe a couple of little flames out of the exhaust yeah, and the engine's yeah. dead. You know, it's terminal, but that's maybe the little trail of oil on the floor. But yeah. this was such a massive failure that the engine, the, and it was the, it was the engine part of the engine mm-hmm. as in the internal combustion engine, not any of the other ancillaries. It, it exploded to the point where it forced the car to have a little bounce. There were obviously pistons coming out the bottom of the engine through the floor, smashing carbon fiber. It was like, it would have thrown parts for, for, hundreds of meters it was one of the most spectacular things i've ever seen and obviously then oil goes everywhere over all the exhaust inside and then obviously massive fire but yeah ferrari don't do things by halves do that was a proper engine failure no 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 i mean look that that car it's almost there on the subject of toxic x you know like sometimes the girls with you know with the shape like that they can be the wickedest girls i'm just saying She's got big backs, curvy girl. I love her, and I, but she's she's wicked. I she's texting my boys. I thought we said we weren't allowed. I thought we said whoa, what? whoa, <laughs> whoa. But no, but she's what do you mean? She's double cheeked up on a Thursday. I'm just saying. She didn't. She didn't know that was your boy. You yeah. Know? Oh, it just happened. The, London's a small place. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I would say the Ferraris mm. are. Mm. I I think if they can keep it up, then they will do it. But they, you just—it's just so unreliable and strategy. But in Charles Leclerc, Brad is he the number one driver? Should they just put everything onto yeah. him now? Like none of because look as earlier as the sprint race just before, 
they were essentially racing and losing ground to Max. And given the relative pace of the car, maybe they could have done something more if they just followed each other up to Max and, and whatever. So are they, should they now just say, look, with that retirement, Carlos, like you're not going to win the title. Like it's not going to happen. We're going to put everything into chart or is what they're doing correct. And you know, they should, they should let them fire out. So I've been around, I've been around a long time and I've been around long enough to hate on Ferrari for being too team ordery and, you know, favoring one driver. It's happened many, many times, but if ever there was a season where they need to do that for the good of all of us, now we've, especially now we've got like a new bad guy in Red Bull, it's this season. And, and this is the season they've chosen to be all super fair with their drivers. It, it's been clear for ages that Leclerc, Leclerc's been faster than Sainz in every race. Even the races where Sainz has beaten Leclerc, Leclerc's been faster and he's only been beaten by Sainz because of things out of his hands, whether that's bad strategy or engine braking or whatever. So Leclerc, without failures, should be miles ahead in the championship now. They effectively gave Sainz the win at Silverstone. You know, they gave him the preferential strategy by incompetence yeah. or whatever reason. But I really thought they'd have gone away Charlotte had this dinner in Monaco um, with Bonotto and I thought they'd have thrashed this out and gone, right, okay, Carlos has had his fun, but we're all on the same page that I'm a couple of tenths quicker. If you want any chance of winning the championship, I'm your man. And yet they go out in the sprint race and like you say, they're fighting. And I'm I'm there watching on the beach, by the way. It was awesome. I was on that private, in see, private code. I did see that. I was getting sunburn and like I was watching it on my phone trying to shield <laughs> the sun. Like it, it was the most awesome way to watch a sprint race. But and I'm there tearing my hair out thinking, why are they fighting? That any chance of any chance of them clawing back as many points as possible on Max has just been thrown out the window because they're having this silly little infight when we know Leclerc is is the faster one. So yeah, I really want them to implement some team orders. I know it feels a bit unfair, but it's Ferrari, like they're so used to doing that. Yeah. yeah, major key to Ferrari, if you didn't know it now, you know it now, is the fact that the only thing Red Bull does not have is the same pace as you. You have the better pace, and it's so evident. And with with uh, we've got to now say, you know, Charles is the main driver for me. He's the number one driver, and he's the only one who can do that little wide trick on Max. Not many people can do that. Not many people can do that. Oh, that was nice to see it three times, wasn't it? It, exactly. was, it was nice to see Max get past on track three times, but mm -hmm. not not really nice to see him just like not defend. You know. All the things he was using against Hamilton last year, it's just not not bothering this year. And you yeah, could say, yeah. yeah, but there was a big tire offset and it, he would have been fighting a losing battle. What was the point? But you could have said that about loads of the races with Hamilton last year. Brazil, he, yeah. he Hamilton was coming through. He was going to get past him. You know, that fight was not, it, it was only going one way. Yet he was going so far in his defense that he was like outright cheating and, and not being penalized for it, as we know. But just, you know, the, the most outrageous kind of defences, desperate things where they're both going 40 metres off track. Yet now against mm. Charles this year, and against anyone really, he's just like, yeah, you know, if you're faster, you go for it. I'm being sensible. It's, it's frustrating. I find it weird. I'm not going to lie. I find it very strange how Miki is against Charles. And I don't know. I don't know, like, what is... Con I mean... I don't believe, I do believe that he is more mature and, you know, having a championship does, you know, when you're desperate for your first championship and you don't know when you're going to get another car, of course. And, you know, desperation may come out. I get it, you know, 
you know, it doesn't excuse driving like an absolute terrorist. But I get it. But this season, the level of meekness is almost embarrassing. Like, it's like, what are we doing here? Why are you not putting up more of a fight? Why are you not... I guess sending a little bit of a message just say look this isn't gonna be easy like if you want it you're gonna have to work for it but maybe we're i mean look i was gonna say look what do we know you know we're not racing drivers but (laughs) brad obviously you're a lot more qualified than us but i just it just feels very strange that all of a sudden he's thinking long term and he's not willing to put up even like a 20%, 25% more fights. I, you know, that the first dive bomb, uh, not dive bomb, but the one where Shao came from quite far back into turn four. Um, I thought that was a really good move, but you never see that happen to, to Verstappen. And that's normally something that he would do. So for him to either just not be prepared for that or to allow that to happen felt strange. I don't know. What about, what about you? So this is another reason why I think Charles has to be the man. Um, he's one of the only people that Verstappen is, I wouldn't say afraid of, and I wouldn't even say respects because I don't think Max really respects anyone, but it's almost like he knows Charles has his number. In an equal car, In maybe in terms of speed, outright lap time, maybe they're the same. Like, let's, let's give them both the benefit of the doubt that they're both as quick as you can be and they're going to lap the same in equal machinery. But in terms of racecraft, I think, Charles has a bit more racing IQ than Max. And we saw a similar thing this weekend. Maybe Max, I'd say maybe Max wasn't defending super hard, but for example, up to turn three, there were a couple of times where Charles got him on the exit. He did the thing that Tandy said, you know, where he kind of did the cut back on him. And Max did have an opportunity to do something that Albon did later in the race, which is invite the move up the outside and then stop your car on the apex and prevent that cutback. You know, be in the position that the other car wants to cut back across and stall their momentum. Ultimately, Albon still got past at the next corner, but that's once you've done that, then you've run out of things to do. Like that's the that's the last thing in your armory if you're the if you're the car defending. But Max didn't even try it, and and it was like it was like he didn't think to do it. He was just doing the typical. I'm going to defend on the inside. That will make me run wide. But that isn't the you know if you're really thinking about it, you can defend on the inside and still cover the inside for the other guy. And and I think we saw it at Bahrain as well. I think Charles has the ability to think a couple more corners ahead and race better than Max. And people will say, I'm just saying this because I'm a Verstappen hater or whatever, but this is just, this is the feeling I get. And I think part of the reason Max doesn't, doesn't do dodgy stuff with Charles is because he knows he won't take it. I'd love to look back at some of their karting um, history. I know we've all seen like the, the, the incident one and you made me, absolutely crack up when you said we just need we just need a little incident or whatever like I, I think of that phrase all the time now um but yeah I, I just think Charles has the measure of Max as a racer in, in a racing battle and if Charles has a slightly quicker car which he did at the weekend then he's coming through listen Charles you're so right Charles actually seen Max throughout the whole racing career so he knows where his weaknesses are. He just his team just needs to allow him to do that with a good engine. Let's see. It will be interesting to see. I yeah, it really is. I still think it's Ferraris to lose. Um, but the problem, even is, with the points gap, 
Oh, I was looking at this today. I think is Leclerc 38 points 30. behind Verstappen? I mean, what, what was Lewis last Ooh! season? <laughs> Lewis last season was what, 24, I want to say? 20, 26? Yeah, but that's maybe? Lewis, please. I know, I know, I know for sure. And I'm never, I'm never comparing, obviously. I'm never comparing. Yeah. I'm just saying it only takes, you know, out of 14 races, it, it only takes what, like, uh, if they were to both just win the races themselves, I, I guess he has to win, like, I guess he'll have to win like four or five more races. So, or six more races, I, I guess, at least. It was a seven-point gap. So, yeah, five or, five or six races more than Max if, if they're going to do first and second. And obviously, we've got spin races as well, so we don't know. Uh, but the Red Bull has its own issues. And um, they, we don't know budget cap issues as well. We don't know how much people are going to be able to develop over the course. Budget cap issues for Red Bull. Flexi floor issues, like how much, how much is it going to affect either of those teams? So I've been obviously trying to keep up on top of this whole, this whole cheating. Please. No, I was actually going to ask you about it because I gave an explanation on the pod last week, then subsequently watched some more stuff and was like, that was incorrect. So could you give us an actual explanation of, I guess, what the flexi floor is, uh, situation is, and I guess, um, why that could be bad news for uh, especially Red Bull and Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not the best technical person to talk to about this. I've just tried to keep up on top of it and read up on it as best I can. But I'm sure most people listening are, are probably of a similar understanding by this point. But essentially, if you run your floor illegally bendy, then that allows you to run the whole car closer to the floor or potentially run more rake as the front can the front of the car underneath the car can touch the floor more. It will deflect more, allowing you just to run it lower without the effects of porpoising. It's not going to hit the floor and bounce off like a stiffer floor would. It's going to it's going to kind of move and bend and shape itself to the floor, allowing you to just get away with uh, a more beneficial ride height, basically. And it looks like some teams have been, they've even been making the skid blocks disappear inside the body. I think Autosport and Motorsport.com reports on that. that this weekend. You know, real people will say they're just interpreting the rules um, cleverly. I mean, the, the intention of the rules are pretty clear. The whole point of a skid block it, and, and the plank is to prevent you from being able to run the car too low because it will wear out if you run it too low and then, then it gets found to be illegal. So if you're stopping that from happening, you are getting a, an illegal benefit. But what whatever... If, that, if these rule changes that are coming in at Spa in a couple of races' time do affect Red Bull slash Ferrari in a bad way, maybe it'll bring Mercedes into it, or maybe it'll swing the balance between Ferrari and Red Bull dramatically one way. Maybe Red Bull are doing it way more than Ferrari, or maybe vice versa. And that could hand the performance advantage to the other one. And you just highlighted it's four or five races until Leclerc would be in front of Verstappen if they were finishing 1-2. Well, if Ferrari are finishing 1-2, or maybe there's a Mercedes in there occasionally as well, and the Red Bulls can only manage fourth or fifth each time, that gap does actually come down pretty quickly. These are all big ifs, um, all big hopes, but I, I've got a good feeling. The surprise from the Mercedes camp when they found out that other teams were doing this suggests that they're really not doing it, so they definitely won't be affected. And people have been saying it's a tenth or maybe two tenths um, benefit to do this with the bendy floor a couple of tents could bring mercedes into it or certainly swing the balance from ferrari to red bull or vice versa so that's my thoughts on that like uh it is very much um it's a bit of a we're into the political side of it because it was supposed to get cut out by france they're now saying 
I don't. Is it hungry or then that's in sp- like it's spa, spa. So that's after the summer break, isn't it? So they've given them like a what? That's like a five week five week extension. Um, so I, 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 it just feels feels a bit. Uh, I guess you know, obviously with budget cap and whatever, but uh, they've been given enough time to get rid of it and then get as many points as they can in in the meantime. And it, it will be interesting to see the outcome. Uh, Tandy, if you're a betting person, I'm gonna be yeah. Go okay, on. cool. Yeah, do you wanna? No, go on. Okay, if you're a betting person. Um, uh, uh, Red Bull or Ferrari to win the title not who you prefer uh, I, don't, I don't want to say this to no i don't want no? to say it. no, no? Fine. okay cool um look while she's off uh make sure you're giving us a like and a subscribe uh give us a review a review on uh, apple five star review on spotify we're up to like nearly we're trying to get to 300 i think we're on like 280 something which is awesome uh, and we have a rating of 4.8 which is awesome so thank you guys um okay big incident of the weekend uh tandy you mentioned george russell uh, george russell george russell first corner no, first corner third fourth corner um he had an incident with sergio perry i would Ooh. go on no 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 i would love for that to happen every single race because perez is a menace and somebody needs to take him out okay I would love for that to happen every single time. I feel like <laughs> that is the only way we'll always secure third and fourth. That is honestly the only way we'll always secure that third and fourth. If someone takes him out. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, you are. We need finance. <laughs> Tanya and Malcolm X, by any means necessary. By any means necessary. Listen, I collapsed. I had a dream. I woke back up again. I woke up in that bus and I said, yes, I'm dehydrated, but I know one thing for sure. Someone should take Perez out to freedom. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, no, That's it happened. That's what I think. Yeah, no, good, mm. good, good, good. And Even look- special shout out to Pierre Gasly. He did the damn thing too. We're gonna to get to Pierre. The boys were on a mission. <laughs> we're gonna to get to Pierre because yeah. uh, uh, I, I don't know for my man still recently. I think it's. He said, I think what's going on? What is everybody doing? <laughs> I think you're the problem, Pierre. Um, but uh, uh, Brad, his fault. <laughs> no, to, yeah, to to steal a popular segment from the Missed Apex podcast. Where you're from, by the way, which we should always pick up. Um, That's okay. I'm out on my own now, so yeah. yeah Sp- Sp- <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm sure Spanish doesn't hold me to that anymore. But um, um, but uh, whose fault? Whose fault was it? I have an opinion that maybe isn't. Uh, my opinion doesn't matter. What's your opinion? Right. So. This is a great opportunity for me to plug my video, which yes, I released please. just before I came on this show. So Put it on the... if, if anyone wants to see the things I'm about to say with animations and pictures and demonstrations of why the thing I'm saying is correct, check out my latest video on my YouTube channel. So if you just search for Brad Philpot on YouTube, the video is called Austrian Grand Prix Through the Visor. The whole series is called Through the Visor, and it's just uh, basically questions from Twitter answered each, each week after each Grand Prix. And... 
thankfully, because I've kind of worked out now, I've got the opportunity to make little animations from above, show the positioning of the cars and that kind of thing, and really get into the weeds of why a certain thing was someone's fault or someone else's fault and, and really explain why I think that is. And because I was doing that just this afternoon, I've got a reasonably strong opinion on this particular incident. So when I watched this um, first off, and again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say another place I was in. I wasn't on the beach this time. I was watching the main race from uh, a lovely kind of restaurant pub thing in, in Tembe in Wales. It was, I was having a, a lovely like gourmet cheese sandwich thing. It was all great. Anyway, I was, I, was, I was having the best time. I had a beer. It was just awesome. I was watching this on my phone and my first reaction was, well, Russell's getting a penalty for that. That's obviously yeah. Russell's fault. We all, we all know the new rules. Again, another video on my channel. You can check out the new 2022 rules clarifications. If you're overtaking around the outside and you're ahead by the apex, then you're supposed to be given room. And I saw that incident from outside and I thought, well, yeah, Russell didn't give him room. Perez got spun around. That's pretty clear cut. The rules say Russell should get a penalty. However, when you actually look at all the different camera angles and you then read into the rules a little bit more deeply, it turns out that the car on the inside only has to stay on the track and give a car width on the exit. It doesn't say anything about what happens in the middle of the corner. So by overtaking around the outside and being ahead at the apex, as Perez was, you know, he was like you know, a few, a few centimetres ahead, but he was ahead at the apex. He's only won himself the right to not be pushed off the track. So at Silverstone, we saw people pushed off the track all the time. And that was generally because, like, say, Mick Schumacher around the outside at Brooklands, Verstappen was ahead at the apex. Schumacher around the outside wasn't far enough alongside by these new rules, which I don't necessarily agree with. But by, by the letter of them, Schumacher hadn't earned right to room on the exit. Perez had earned a right to room on the exit of turn four yesterday at Austria, but they hadn't got to the exit. They made contact in the middle of the corner. Perez was squeezing Russell reasonably close to the inside. He gave him a car's width, but giving someone a car's width that they're incapable of using is a bit irrelevant. It's a bit like all of the Verstappen fans at Silverstone last year saying, yeah, but he gave, he gave Hamilton room. It's like he gave him room on the other side of the car that Hamilton physically couldn't go to. So that's, it's kind of irrelevant. If you're committed to a speed and a line and you're the one that has forced the tightening of both of your lines by being the car on the outside and being a physical blocker for the other car, then you have to take some responsibility for leaving enough room for that car on the inside to run a little bit wide. Physics dictates that a car pinched up on the inside is going to run a bit wider than a car that gets to take the ideal line. So anyway, this is a long way of saying <laughs> no, that I love it. Perez wasn't entitled to any kind of special treatment in the middle of the corner. Russell left Perez a good two or three car widths on the other side of Perez, which you could argue Perez could say that's irrelevant. That's not the line I was on. Perez left Russell one and a little bit car widths to the inside and they met in the middle. And so that's why it's just a racing incident. If anything was ever a racing incident, this was it. And when you look at the trajectory of Perez, he wasn't tightening and really closing Russell down to no space. He was actually holding a pretty con constant line. He was staying about the same distance from the inside, which if Russell was fully able to keep that tight line, would be fine. But because that corner tightens, it kind of goes down a steep slope. All the drivers know this. By pinching your rival up against that, you know they're going to run wider. And Perez needed to just leave another metre or so, and then Russell would have had to leave him room on the exit. But it didn't get that far. It, the crash happened before that point. So that's why, it, it, in my mind, it's a racing incident, and so nobody should have got a penalty. But it's like the stewards were so trigger-happy because they didn't penalise any Silverstone incidents like this that they were like, yes, penalty. He was ahead at the apex, give him a penalty. So, to conclude... Watch my to video. freedom! <laughs>
Uh, yeah, to yeah, feed him for sure. And and good. when you get there, definitely put Brad's video on. Um, yeah, I can see why Seb Vettel's walking out of these meetings, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I don't know. The, the FIA aren't on piss right now. I like what? it. Seb's walking out. Yeah, Seb got fined twenty five grand uh, for walking out of the drivers' briefing meeting um, because he said they were just going around in circles and they weren't. Uh, be, they weren't clarifying. Was it was it around overtaking or? Yeah, it, it's all of the driver etiquette rules. Yeah. The things we've just been talking about. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't necessarily agree with them because it'd be way easier if you just said you always have to leave space for people all the time. Like you're not allowed to drive into a bit of track where there's already another car. That's it. That that could literally be the driver etiquette rules. If a car is there already, you can't use that bit. That's it. And then you'd never have people forcing each other off. But apparently Seb said in the driver, in this in this meeting with the officials, I've heard your excuses for 15 years now and I've had enough. And he walked out. And the problem is that it, you've got rotating stewards. So it's not the same stewards every race. Yeah. So every time you bring up a problem from the previous race, because the drivers can only bring these things up at the next race. So they get to the, they get to the driver's meeting. They say, hey, at the last race, this was inconsistent. And the stewards then say, it wasn't us. It was the other guys because we, we're only here for this race. And so you never get anywhere. So no wonder the consistency is poor. Plus, we've got this rotating yeah, um, race, race director, which I don't have a massive problem with, provided they're both working to the same kind of rule set. And I still think they're an improvement over Massey. I still, I still feel they're at least trying to kind of follow the rules that happen to be set. You know, they didn't necessarily make these rules or whatever, whereas Massey was just obviously like doing it on the fly and succumbing to pressure from different teams. But yeah, there, there is... There is inconsistency, and Seb got annoyed, basically. Yeah, and I'm getting annoyed. Oh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't, yeah, I just can't see from Silverstone to here. Also, didn't Perez have incidents at turn four last year with Norris? Wasn't it with Norris where he got either he ran Norris out or Norris ran him out at that corner? I'm very sure it was, or maybe at some point around uh, in Austria, was it? So this corner, this happens all the time. And it even yeah. happened in the race yesterday as well with Gasly on Vettel. Yeah, Gasly on Vettel. And, yeah. and those incidents, by the by the rules as written now, these new guidelines, they happened on the outside. So Gasly was a really clear example of that definitely should be a penalty with these rules because they got to the exit, Seb was up against the edge, Gasly still hit him. So yeah. that's the point at which Gasly has to stop moving across. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I'm sure. It, I, I think it. I think you're right with Perez last year. It's obviously Hamilton and Albon as well. The same yeah. corner. Exactly. So, you know what's going to happen, and it was. I could see that coming from the moment Perez was in his slipstream after turn two. I was like, this is this is going to end in an accident because Russell's Russell's already lost the place. He's not going to. Well, tried to gain a place, didn't get it whatever he's already pissed off about that so he's not going to want to give up another place to Perez. so he's not going to back out Perez being Perez he's gassed right now new contract you know playboy Monaco he's doing what he wants so he's going around the outside whether anyone likes it or not um and he was always going to end in a crash and um it was just so avoidable I think from Perez, I don't think he, I mean, like you've got a whole race to go. You're probably quicker than Russell. Like it, it, the chances of him making that move were so slim. Like, I don't think I've actually seen anyone go around the outside successfully for ages around there now. Like they always back out. 
Yeah, and even so, with the best intentions of the guy on the inside, that's the thing. You've got yeah. these contacts happening from drivers who are not dirty drivers. Yeah. This, these aren't people sending one up the inside and massively getting it wrong. They're drivers who are going, oh, crap, oh, crap. You know, they've got full steering lock on, trying to avoid the car on the outside, but they get put in this position where they have to run wide. They can't go any tighter, and then contact happens. So like you said, you could see it coming. You really could. What uh, is wrong with these guys? <laughs> That wasn't that uh, wasn't that Vettel who said that. No, it's Pierre. Was it Pierre? Oh, okay. Oh, well. yeah, French accent. Okay, well. Oh, oui, oui. <laughs> uh, that was actually. Uh, I remember one of, one of the earlier episodes we done. Oh. I think the first one actually, when we were talking about Playboy Pierre, um, yeah. and you you did that accent, and uh, it's not improved. Uh, so <laughs> um, we are going to go into. <laughs> uh stars of the day um tandy i'll come to you first who was your star of the day um, oh i didn't think of this okay i think i'll give my star of the day to charles because charles is constantly holding up a sign saying i am number one driver and nobody's listening to him and there are so many incidents within this season that have made Ferrari turn their heads and look at other gals and be like, oh, oh. But it's just so obvious that the love of your life is right there. Like, he's always been the star boy. He's the one who's... You know that meme where the guy's walking down the yeah, street? Yeah, like... Just like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so obvious. It's so obvious that that's your gal. <laughs> Stick with her. She signed the contract. Death row five years. Like, Do you know what I mean? Somebody said, need. you know, you can tell Charles is just fed up with them all because he didn't turn up to an AP event, and that makes sense. He loves. He always, he's always at the AP event. Oh, he loves it. Oh, was it Richard Mill? No, Richard Mill. No, it was Richard Mill. It was Richard Mill. Yeah. My bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> APC other guys, my bad. Uh, yeah, it was the Richard Millie event. He didn't even turn up, man. That means man is so angry. I don't know about the Twitch community if he's still on there, if he's still chilling. I don't know. Minutes, so, do you know what I mean? Like, at the start, we said, at the start of the season, we said, this is Charles. We need consistency. We need mm. consistency and we need to accept that this is our main guy. And I'm so happy for him today. He was doing his little, you know, when they, they reach the point and they're like, hee, hee. I love oh, yeah. that for him, man. <laughs> I love that. So, happy. yeah, me little champion, Charles. And will I buy the ticket? Mm. For Charles, 100%. Oh, wow. Well, it's one of, yeah, okay. I will. Okay. I will. But there's obviously his ex. His ex is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. and also special shout out to George Russell, your little legends. <laughs> Look, I love George. Nineteenth to fourth as well. It's not to be sniffed at. Is that it? is amazing. We Very good drive. Aw- we had an awful quality, whatever. I hate sprint races, by the way. I can't stand them. I don't understand what's going on. I hate them. So we had an awful Saturday, and we turned it around. Mm. And we would not. I don't. I'm going to say it bravely now. Lewis wouldn't have had that. If, what, if, if George didn't take out Perez? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there, there was that. I guess signs as well. So, and we have to be there to capitalize. I know you guys want to tussle. The girls want to tussle. You want to fight me. I'm on your side, but 
I'm a truther and I am a person who can accept certain people's flaws if my eye and I'm gonna be honest with you we wouldn't have had that. We wouldn't no, I think we, we can accept that. We wouldn't we wouldn't have that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Thank you, George. And Ferrari engine department. Um Brad <laughs> Star of the Day. Yeah, so thanks for letting me go second so you don't take this. Um Star of the Day. <laughs> George Russell for um, getting through his his unjust penalty. It wasn't it wasn't like the worst penalty ever, but you know, I, like I said before, I don't think he should have had that. And he, I think he had to have a front wing change as well. So he came from really far back and, and still got up to fourth and, and backed up the Mercedes effort. So, oh, and he took out Perez, which helped as well. So, so yeah, so George Russell, star of the day. Mm. Sick. My driver of the day is Lewis. Oh, <laughs> yes. I can't believe it. I haven't uh, been able to say it this whole these last two races when he was on the podium. I never got to say it, and now I get to say it. Start of the day. Cue the "Still I Rise" video that Nyasha reloads every two weeks on our Twitter. If you haven't seen it already, we'll put a link in the in the bio. Maybe Mate. if you created art, maybe if you created magic with your own fingers. What's that mean? Where it's just like. Oh. loves that video and you know what the world loves that video they reload it every time i'll spot it every now and then yash is gonna drop that video you've got to let them know you're still be right when times are and you know when times are low you watch that video and you know what maybe lewis does he just watches it like oh you know this is art and then he (laughs) goes into the race the next day and he gets the podium so uh, uh God, I love Lewis Hammond so much. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even contain it. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. He's so sick. No, you know what? It was nice. Uh, I was worried. I was worried um, because George was backing up the pack we were in a drs pack of a drs train obviously after george had the damage and i think they were saying he was losing around the second a lap so i was looking at us and probably same way you were talking brad um about ferrari strategy i was like how are mercedes gonna balls this up now because i was looking at it like I didn't know how much damage George had. You know, we didn't know that they were going to change his wing. So I was just thinking, wow, if we're going to be stuck in a DRS train, we're not going to be able to overtake on track. I thought maybe the best way would probably be to pit early like Verstappen did. Luckily, I don't work at Brackley because that was not the best strategy. Uh, and I did tweet that out. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the guys at Brackley. Um, but, uh, and James Fowles. Um, but uh, they did the right thing. They brought George in. George being brought in kind of spaced everyone out a bit and we were able to make moves on on the horses um and then oh no yeah we were and then we went long and and yeah he, he made that stint work and he would have jumped Stroll and was it Mick or maybe Kevin uh, uh he would have jumped them both if it wasn't for these pit stops I'm not gonna lie to you guys um I'm not going to put them in my donkey because I think there's other people we need to talk about, but, and it didn't affect us in the end, but Lewis Hamilton's pit stops 4.1 seconds and 3.8 seconds. This shit is not good enough. I'm tired of coming on here and saying this. What are they doing there? Where's the practice? I can't, we can't just keep doing this because at some point, 
it didn't cost us today, but like it nearly cost us, I think at Silverstone, it's cost us uh, at other races where we've had these bad stops. I mean, look, you go back to last season, France, bad strategy uh, and the stop fucked us. Monza, if we don't have a, Max Stefan has a 12 second stop. All we needed to do was have like a sub four and a half second stop and we come out in front and there's not a car on his head. Like it's happening again and again and again and again and again. And when if we are going to get a good car, then, and if the strategy is going to be on point, like it seems to be now, I, I don't think I've had any issues with the strategy recently. The pit stops have got to be good. So they've got to improve them. But Lewis Hamilton, third podium in a row. Awesome. I just love seeing him happy. And especially in the place where they were booing him. And, you know, it felt good to see him on the podium. And they didn't get the person they wanted to win. They got Lewis on the podium. And hopefully the car is better that by Zandvoort, on my birthday weekend, Lewis wins in Netherlands. And I genuinely think, I don't even know if I'll be able to pod because I would just, I would have exploded with happiness. Um, so that's my star of the day. Um, let's get to donkeys. I'm going to go reverse order. So Brad, your donkey of the day, please. So can donkey of the day be, does it have to be a driver or can it be it anything? Could be, it could be literally anything. Right, well, I'm, I'm going for the thing you said you're not going to do. I am going to go Mercedes pit stops because okay. when Mercedes are, they're searching for lap time, you know, they're searching to improve the car. Imagine if they could have a two-tenth of a second per lap improvement over, say, 20 laps in the race. That's the kind of benefit they would get just by doing normal length pit stops. Like that's, if they do two, two um, pit stops in the race that are both one and a half seconds slower than they should be, well, that's a couple of tenths of a second over many laps that they've just thrown away, basically. They, and so there's no use having the car performance when they get it if they're in a close fight and you know they're in a battle with Red Bull, they do a pit stop, they come up behind them. You know, and you saw you've you've covered it already. They've they've lost position. It didn't matter too much of this race, but when they came up behind those two cars after Hamilton's stop, that could have cost them a race win if they were fighting for a race win. And it's unnecessary. It limits their strategic options. It takes the trust away from the drivers. It takes the trust away of the drivers um, of the team. And they, it's like, it's kind of like they'll do three bad stops and one good stop. That seems to be the ratio. It, it's not like it's they do a bad stop occasionally. Most of the stops are bad, and sometimes we get a good one. Yeah. And George seems to benefit more, but I, that is not a conspiracy theory. Before anyone tries that, I'm not buying into any of that, but it does seem to favour him. They seem to have sorted out the strategy stuff, now sort out the pit stops. So, no, I'm, I'm in a whole agreement. Tandy, do you have anything to say on uh, Mercedes pit stop? We've, we've all had a little, uh, we've all had a little dig. dig. A little, a little, little Julius season. <laughs> do you know what, I, oh, you know what I'm going to do for the video? Oh my God! Do you remember when you did the dig a D? No, no. <laughs> okay, I won't do it. Tandy. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> um, stab like season. You're a prick. I can't stand this man. Um. um yeah. <sighs> to be fair, this week 
my anger wasn't towards Mercedes. It's like an everlasting thing that's always there. Drink some water, please. Um, it's a thing that's always there. However, my my anger was more towards Ferrari, who is my donkey of the day. This is not to say Mercedes are not under the fire line. You do still suck. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Mm. So is your donkey of the day Ferrari? Could you expand? Ferrari on that? HQ. Oh, Ferrari okay. HQ. Okay. Ferrari HQ. Because sort your shit out, mate. Mm, yeah. Know your oppressor and stick with it. Know your champion and stick with it. Get a strategy. Get get teams. Microsoft Teams. Mm. Get everyone in the meeting. And get everyone in the meeting. Cameras on. I want to see. On. Cameras, cameras on. Cameras on. Yeah, cameras on. <laughs> no one in bed. <laughs> Cameras on, <laughs> nobody in bed. I want mics on, and mm. I want everyone to tell me. Right, I'm gonna just go around the room, and I want yeah. to know who your number one driver is. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. I like cameras that. on. <laughs> Ferrari, cameras on. Yeah. Uh, Cam Brad, on. I feel like you've already had anything you've you've well, I probably wanted to say about Ferrari, but. Uh, I mean, yeah. Do you reckon they can sort it out? Because Benoit was saying as as late as yeah, the sprint race. Like we're not gonna do team orders, but you know, I, yeah. Just I I hope this isn't one step forward, two steps back, essentially. But do you think this could be the start of a march towards parity with Red Bull and then maybe overtaking them? It's encouraging that they were fast. You know, it's encouraging that they were they looked like the stronger team over the weekend, even with Sainz. So if Sainz is able to be in a position to start taking points off Verstappen, which he would have done without an engine failure, then that's really good for Ferrari. It's purely reliability. They, they just need to sort out that reliability. That doesn't mean they can. doesn't mean it's easy. It's not just a switch. Um, it's hard. If they've got a problem, then it's hard to, to fix that. But I, I'm confident in their speed. I have zero confidence that I, I think Red Bull are still going to win it, unfortunately, because over the season, I think they're stronger. But let's just see what happens at Spa with this rule change. That's We'll talk after then. Let's talk after Spa. Somebody said on. it, innit? It wasn't me, but somebody said it. <laughs> I hear it, Brad. I do hear it. I don't you disagree. I'm just clocked. I'm mm. really loud and lively on today's pod. It's because I've been home alone. And I haven't spoken to anyone. You guys uh, are the first people I've actually spoken to today. Look, I didn't want to say anything, now, but this is... This now is the weird's a, coming out. Like a 10 out of 10 performance today. I was like, <laughs> what do I have to do to get this out of you every week? This is, this is Need crazy. to faint and come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, those two, two seconds when I was out, I saw it. <laughs> what did you see? <laughs> what did you see? I saw a world where there's Hamilton wins every single race mm. i saw a world where pierre gasly is not judged by the way he races but by the way he makes food with yuki tsunoda Aww. i saw a world yeah where joe was yeah. always top four top four top four, top four top four top four top four <laughs> it was just beautiful it was beautiful drink water there guys that's that is not recommended, mate. No, no fainty, faint job on the on the bus. What yeah. bus route? No, I don't okay. want everyone to yeah, know no, where no. I live. Yeah, that's, no, that's true. No, yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Let's just say. And, it in, just and by the way, if mm. anyone's thinking this hoe takes the bus, 
Everyone in London takes buses, by the way. Okay. She just don't to, do that. She just had to make sure the Americans knew. She had to make sure our transatlantic friends knew. She doesn't our even transatlantic bust. friends. I bloody love the Americans, mate. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have not mentioned. So, um, <laughs> my uh, my donkey. Oh man, there's so many people I want to flame right now. Um, you know what? I want to talk about McLaren, but I want to talk about McLaren. My dog of the day is McLaren's treatment of Danny Ricardo because this man is in a toxic relationship. Now, look, sometimes toxic people in toxic relationships, sometimes you might have done something to piss someone off, okay? So if right. you know, Danny Ricardo is just, you know, he's a bum he's at home he's, he's not washing up the dishes he's not contributing to the house you're paying his bills he's a hobosexual he's a hobosexual you know <laughs> slinging gray dick but outside of that what is he the dick's mid the, the dick is very mid okay, even the dick is not mid. even that good anymore the not even dick that good is anymore joanne yeah. he's got lazy joanne mm. the fire's out <laughs> so you come home from work and you're like danny mm. have you, you you tied it up you don't know with the chicken out Oh no, sorry man, just that I've been playing computer games. <laughs> so, so I think McLaren have had enough. But they've got their house for another year and a half. They've got a, a year, three year contract on the house. They've got another year and a half. <laughs> what do you do? I think they're trying to sometimes when you don't like someone, you treat them like shit until they leave. And I think that's what McLaren are doing to Danny right now. These guys, he had a crash before. They're like, wait, is the car okay? Oh, yeah, oh, I'm okay too, guys. Uh, and then that's what happened in Monaco. And then here, okay. here oh, man, like they uh, they made him hold, hold stations during the sprint race again. Uh, I saw a tweet uh, of them. They've not, they're not coming out and telling us why his, his, uh, his, his uh, performance has been poor. So there was. Uh, but... oh, look, I'm just saying, there was uh, his car was broken, basically. Uh, Daniel needed to save fuel from lap 25, and that was the reason why he was losing so much time. Um, and there's also some radio accounts uh, of. Uh, oh, yeah, Zach Brown today on whether Ricardo will stay with McLaren in 2023. We're going to do whatever it takes for him. We know he can win us races. But what we ask of him is clear that he drives at Lando's level. So, just saying. Is this this thing, yeah, about Daniel Ricciardo? Mm. Is this not what his ex inboxed you about when she came to you woman to woman and said this guy is a bum? He does the first six months or maybe the first year. It's dates every Friday. It's good morning text. It's everything. And then he just turns on you. The dick becomes mid. Ooh. You're always on top. Ooh. Is this not what his ex warned you about? Is Listen, it? I don't like to canoodle with the Red Bulls, but <laughs> is this not what his ex warned you about? Uh, ironically, or I don't know if you know, but Helmut Marko actually, Helmut Marko is a madman. He came out... Uh, <laughs> in an interview mm. and basically they were like it was like it, they asked him about all the red bull drivers mm. and literally every last one of them other than max he absolutely flamed like he flamed them he was like <laughs> 
Ricardo lacks the consistency. Perez, uh, I think he thought he was a good driver, but then he met Max. I think he said Vettel won only due to the machinery. <laughs> There's like a whole thing of him just flaming every one of them. But anyway, he he's say, just like me for real. <laughs> you know, you know, he's a Hall of Fame hater. But you oh, know, I look, love that. Uh, Brad, uh, I. If Helmut Marko is saying Daniel's consistent, Tandy is saying Daniel's inconsistent. Um, Zach Brown is saying that Daniel's inconsistent. Look, these he was signed for him and Lando to be Banter Bus Express. How much content are we going to get out of these guys? They're going to be, you know, fighting for race wins with our Mercedes package. Uh, sorry, Mercedes engine. And it has been probably the biggest failure in f1 as in big money transfer uh that i can think of really where there's such a disparity between the big money signing and the driver who was already there and his teammate essentially what's your take on the situation um if it, it, it seems like it's it's a relationship that is not going to end in a pretty way yeah it's it's a shame um i think they've given him enough time but at this point it's you just kind of want to look the other way. You don't really want to watch the situation because you you just know each race is not going to be great and it's going to be embarrassing for him. And he see like the the highest highs at the moment seem to be when he's within a couple of tenths of Lando, and that is not where he wants to be, and that's not what they're paying him to do. You know, his I know um, driver salaries aren't part of the the budget cap, but they're a significant chunk of the budget. You know, the money that the team has to find to spend each year and. Ricardo is is not a good value for McLaren and and they thought he was going to be and I feel bad for him because he's it's not like he's trying it's not like he's not putting in the effort it's not like he can't be bothered it's not like he went into it thinking I'm just going to pick up the cash and I don't yeah. care where I finish he's clearly been trying it's clearly hurting him but if at the, you know he's had long enough something is not clicking maybe he just doesn't get on with this generation of cars he or maybe Lando is just too good and the next generation has just kicked on a bit more and he needs to and he needs to go but i would be stunned if he stays beyond the end of this year and, and i'll actually lazy. be quite surprised if he stays to the end of this year he's lazy Ooh. i think he's so lazy i think he's bare lazy that's what i think in what way just minimal effort he'll put the effort in he's being paid he signed the contract who gonna stop me? I've got a roof over my head. I've got a few contracts around my head. He's not asked, is he? I think he's not asked. <laughs> I all I would say in his defense, not in his defense, actually, I'm gonna bury him a bit more, but he has come out and said that he before he would not really pay too much attention to the engineering side of things. And uh I think I don't think even at Renault. It took him a while for him to get up to speed with the car. I think we all thought, okay, you know, it will take another six, you know, it'll be six months and then Danny will be fine. Or, okay, he's had a year and this year will be fine. And, you know, it's just not worked out. And I, I, you know, what I like about Daniel is he basically copied Lewis's whole kind of outside of the car regime and thing where, you know, He's got a fucking clothing deal. He's got endorsements. He's just set up a production company to do some TV things. He's, he's in America, being friendly to Americans, wearing chaps and stuff, and with his moustache. You know, but it that, is. 
Daniel Ricardo is going to go to America. Uh, that is his. Whether he does IndyCar or... He's just like me, for real. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> he, uh, so whether it's IndyCar, maybe Formula E, maybe they put him into one of them seats and, and you know, and he does that. I, I, Formula One, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's passing Daniel Ricardo by now. And it, it's a shame. And he could have been, you know, middle of 2018, he was effectively the th- well, the second third best driver on the grid i guess but behind vettel and hamilton and he was i guess the guy they were like okay if he goes to a top team he could challenge for a title that's what the whole talk was unfortunately his only options were renault or red bull and he didn't want to stay at red bull and you know he thought he can go build a team at renault it did not work out he made another yeah, stupid what? decision uh, and he's gone to McLaren, and it's just it's just not worked out for him. And you know, but he's had a good career. He's had race wins. He's had iconic moments. He's he's made more money than you could ever imagine. He's got a post race career. Yeah. I'm not. I wouldn't be mad at him if he if he left at the end of the season. I, I would hope if he just decided to walk away at the end of the season. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. I don't think anyone would. Do you know what? There is a running joke with my parents. My parents are divorced and they don't talk, but the one time they do talk, it's about me. And or like my other siblings. Star of the show. Come on now. Um and there's a running joke amongst my parents um that I am a professional job hopper. So what that means is throughout my twenties, I have had a different job every like I've not stayed at a job for like a year, more than a year. And that's just me. Throughout my 20s, I was trialing and erroring. I am still in my 20s. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but I was trialing and erroring. I was jumping from job to job. And everybody was in the wrong, minus me. Duh. Mm. And that's what it reminds me of. There is no accountability. There is no... There's always something wrong with somebody else's job. There's always something wrong with everybody else within the team and never actually we need to start looking at the inside and saying is this guy actually lazy is he just taking on the benefits of the pr packages is he actually here for the job or the benefits and i think at this point similar to seb vettel is actually what did i stutter did i stutter (laughs) (laughs) similar to seb vettel it's now a thing where Look, F1 made me, my man's, my family rich. And I have a fan base in America that will always, I think he's going to go to IndyCar, by the way, also. But similar to how Vettel, he's not asked anymore. You think finding him 25, how much was it? Finding him because he walked 25 out. 25 Gs, yeah. That's chump change to a Formula One driver. The highest paid people on the planet, do you know what I mean? Are the sports people. And so this is now just chump change. It's all just about brand deals now. And I don't think Daniel actually cares about being a champion, number one. He's not bothered, guys. And the sooner we stop looking at Daniel and saying, where's the strategy today, Daniel? What are we doing today? So the, the sooner we stop looking at it that way and we start looking at him as a clown that he is in this sport, because he is. You think that's not clownish behavior? Wearing them hats, he's a clown and it's okay. It's okay to be the class clown. There's no wrong in it. It's all right to be the funny guy. Hey, we need the comedy, but we also need, you know, if if you're looking at McLaren and saying we want a serious team where we've got someone who's going to take us to the to the champion, definitely you're not looking at Daniel Ricciardo for that, for that memento, I'm afraid. 
definitely not. <clears throat> oh, thank you for that, Tandy. That was bring out bring out old school Tandy. Like, uh. Died and came back. To life. back. <laughs> uh, right, let's do it, guys. You guys always reply in your drives. I'm going to read out a few tweets. Um, Naz uh, at Naz M14. Star of the day: the horses and their pace. Big up Mick Schumacher, by the way. Well Mick done. Mick Schumacher oh. said, "I am faster than my teammate," and we laughed at him. Mm. And he showed. He said, you. He said "I'm going to show you." Go. I'm gonna learn yeah. you. I'm gonna learn you. Um, here we go. Oliver Chinere uh, at Oliver Dirty B. Um, yeah, Star Charles Pooh signs engine blowout. F1 stewards inconsistent rule enforcement. Yeah, we all know that is ridiculous. Let's see. Uh, at Keith Bethel, uh, Red Bull's Red Bull organization's horrid PR month. Hey, that. That little statement that they put out, I love that it's always on the same template. <laughs> yeah, that same background. <laughs> it's giving Canva and just change the text. What have we done wrong this time? Let's just oh change, just God. change the word and then send it to HR quick. Yeah, you know, a big up Stefan Bow, always interacting. Uh, mm-hmm. Star of the day, in fact, weekend. Mick Schumacher and Haas, uh, they were really good. And we've been critical of Mick, so we have to praise him. Well done, Mick. Uh, I think Pierre Gasly should, in fact, be a discussion about Gasly because he has not been very good at all this season. I think we're going to have to do a separate pod about Pierre because I think he does not have a seat after next season. Um here we go kiki at kiki mac 44 this is one for you brad uh this gen of cars do not provide good racing drivers can barely see and they are too drs dependent and give weak mm-hmm. slipstream vettel also came out looking like he was sweeping chimneys before the brake dust uh on his uh on his face and, and overalls which he said he was breathing in um what do you think of the new cars are, are they doing what they're supposed to do? now that i know mr apex spanners has been very clear to say and I kind of agree that, you know, we had all the street circuits and now we've got actual purpose-made circuits. And this is where I guess we'll see whether the new rules work or not. And I guess we had that battle where there was five cars all going around. I was like, oh, it's a bit mad. And, you know, the Silverstone. So it does seem to be, I guess, more action, but I don't know. Am I just, am I looking at the highlights? Am I skimming through it and not actually listening to the whole thing? So I was really... Uh, I'm convinced by this year's cars for the first handful of races, uh, most of the races, really. I don't like how heavy and clunky and awkward they look, but they have definitely looked better on the proper tracks. And it did look, I mean, we saw some like three wide. We saw packs of cars able to follow pretty closely at the weekend. And I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where it's, constant overtaking you know cars always really close together that it just doesn't happen in, in motorsport you in even if there's no downforce dependence at all even in a touring car race you have a concertina effect where the car at the front of the group gets to get on the power earlier than the next car and, and so on and so on so it's never going to be a constant position swapping fest out there and and it shouldn't be and so i think we need to just be careful what we're actually looking for um I I don't visually like this season's cars. They're growing on me. Maybe next year and the year after, as they get more and more refined, they'll be better. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I don't love them, but they, I think they're kind of doing the job they were supposed to do. And you know, Vettel's brake dust aside, I think they're okay. So 
But yeah, I, I don't love them though. Mm. No, me either, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, me either. Um, but, hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't love them, but I definitely am enjoying the racing now that we're at purpose-built tracks um and we're, uh, this is the type of racing that i want to see i think when you're going to street circuits i've never liked street circuits like none of my favorite races are street circuits although i do like canada but which is like half street half. i half. hate canada hey canada can't stand it i think it's so boring you know really i, I quite yeah. like it but it can be boring and i think it does need a safety car to make it interesting otherwise it can be a bit mm. of a procession anyway guys Brad, mate, I could talk to you about motorsport all fucking for day, hours day. and hours, Bro, Brad. Honestly, that you that is already one of my most favorite episodes we've done. That was that was lovely. This guy says this all the time, Brad. Sorry, Brad. He says what's it every wrong with you? Episode. He says it every episode. Every episode. Now she just beats me up. He listens every episode, so he knows that's not true. Incredible. It's Eddie. like Hamilton saying every crowd is the best crowd. Yeah. Did you hear did you hear him this weekend? <laughs> it was the most like he he went, Yeah, it's been the most incredible crowd. It was like <laughs> he, he was so insincere, it was brilliant. Uh, oh yeah. Big, big up Lewis absolutely ignoring Max, uh both in the warm down room and on the podium as well. Mm-hmm. Lewis said, I'm gonna spray my champagne over here. I'm not even even giving you a drop of champagne um, it's like you know when the people come over to your table try to take your drinks so, huh? excuse me you're not excuse welcome me. Over here. excuse me <laughs> um so look brad thank you so much for coming on where can people find you well thank you for having me on um they can find me on twitter at bradley philpot um it's a horrible name, but that's my name. So that's what you have to Great type in. Um, and you can find me on YouTube if you just type in Brad Philpot, or if you search for Through the Visor, you'll find my series of Formula One question and answer videos, which are doing reasonably well this week. Don't lie. They're doing brazy numbers. They're going platinum. I think one the <laughs> British Grand Prix one's got 100,000 views. That is incredible. So well done, bro. We're so proud of you. I'm really happy you're doing that. Uh, and there's just so much you can do it because we need kind of like you know we have people like uh people like bryson and you have like the technical kind of uh f1 sphere uh i think it's awesome that and then you have the prophetess of madness which is us yeah you've got us (laughs) the daniel ricardos the jokers class clowns (laughs) uh and then we've got people like you and we've got you essentially um making content like that uh, and giving an, a, a point of view which is through knowledge as well as just good insight and, and approachable and, and, and personable. So good luck with all of that. I genuinely mean that. Um, guys, we're going to go because it's been a long time. We're three weeks away from uh, Quick Stop Live. Oh my is God. It two? It's two. Two, it two weeks. Two. Two. Well, yeah, well, three really because it's yesterday would have been three weeks so three weeks away from quicksop live uh i can't wait for that for those of you who couldn't make it we are going to run a competition for two tickets uh and we're also going to release the live stream tickets as well so you can watch along uh on the live stream they're just that's gonna be like a couple quid just to just to pay for the cameras um and then where's the summer break but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for watching. Subscribe, like the video. Tandy, anything from you? 
Um, put down the vape, pick up the water. You're not the boss of me. And <laughs> if, if, uh, if you're watching this, make sure no matter what life throws at you, including vapes and hot weather and, you know, obviously stuffy and hot buses, make sure mm-hmm. to keep it on the black stuff. We will see. I hate that. like that. It's staying. It's staying until you come up. I tasked you with coming up with the with the outro. You hated it. Month. Well, you you, what did you say? It was like live, laugh, love. F one. You want me to put it up in my kitchen? What the fuck is this? Uh, Keep it on the black stuff, right, guys. Okay. Take care. In a bit. Black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of Acast Recommends. What's going on, everybody? This is Tristan Mack Wilds, one third of Guys Next Door. And if you are hearing my voice, maybe you should be listening to Guys Next Door. If you ever wanted to get into the mindset of the young black millennial man, all of the things that we go through, love, sex, relationships, financials, technology, mental health, and everything that lies in between, this show is for you. Now, I don't know what you guys are doing. I know you guys are probably listening to a really, really nice podcast, but make sure you guys go subscribe right now to Guys Next Door, and we'll see you guys in the neighborhood. Peace. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.